Hello and welcome to Get Flushed, the portable sanitation podcast. My name's Pete. Before we get into the episode, I'll have a quick shout out to Zach Webster, his dad Richard and brother Luke, who operate J&J Services in Liberal, Kansas. Zach sent me a message to say that he listened to the show Between Jobs. And Zach, I'm grateful for your support and I hope you enjoy the rest of today's episode. This is episode number 16 and it will feature Anthony and Stefan Kovic, who are part of the management team at Prestige Lose up in Auckland. Since I began the podcast, I've been fairly active on social media. I use Facebook, Instagram and the occasional tweet to share the show with people in the industry and beyond. Back in June, Prestige Lose posted some pictures of their new 10-bay luxury trailer units. They'd just arrived here from Jag Mobile Solutions over in Indiana. From the pictures, it was pretty clear that these were some very special units. I gave the post a thumbs up and over the next few weeks I swapped a few messages and likes with the team at Prestige. During July I received a message from Stefan Kovic, part of the management team at Prestige, who said he was a fan of the show and invited me to call in if I happened to be in Auckland. And so last week, with a few other appointments lined up, I flew from Christchurch to Auckland with my audio equipment in a carry-on case and set off to meet the team at Prestige. Um, I'm in with Stefan and Anthony Kovic, who are at Prestige Loose in Auckland. I'll start by saying thank you fellas for the invitation. It's great to come and see you both. And I really enjoyed the walk around your yard. And um, for the listeners' benefit, beautiful spot overlooking the river, or the harbour. I'm guessing it's the harbour, is it? Yeah, the harbour. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> with a sky tower in the background. Um, I'm a landlocked Christchurch fella, so I don't get coastal views. And it's a lovely tidy yard and the sun's shining and it's the first time in months that I've been in shirt sleeves because I've been wrapped up with my log burner on. <laughs> I tell you, it's like this in Auckland every day. So, yeah, so they tell me. So let's do some introductions first so that the readers can identify, or the readers, the listeners can identify the right voice with the right person. So over to you. Yeah, well, my name's Stefan. I work with Anthony at Prestige and we don't really have a, a set title as such. I have more of an operations focus, Anthony more on the sales side, but we both do the same job, just helping each other out. Okay, so this voice is Stefan and... And I'm Anthony. Excellent. So Stefan, we might get you just to pull your microphone a little bit closer. Now, this is the first time I've been able to do this live. So one of the things that I really like to do is everybody who comes on the show, I give them a get flushed coffee mug. And something oh, tells me brilliant. that you two drink coffee. <laughs> oh, yeah. Plenty of it. In this industry, many coffees, many early mornings. So but Stefan had posted, I'm guessing it's you, posts on Instagram. Yes, it was us. And you, me. and you put a really beautiful picture of a brand new 10 bay luxury table unit on, which we've had a look at. And I commented, wow, I like that. And we've had a bit of a, a romance over the Instagram. <laughs> I like that. Over the last couple of months. Um, and the invitation came out, you know, do you want to jump on a plane and come and see us in Auckland? And here we are. So thank you for the invitation. As usual with everyone who comes on the show, there's no agenda. It's about you and your business. So, and you can talk about whatever you want to talk about. I'm just keen to find out your story. And I'll start with saying two young fellas involved in sanitation <laughs> in a management role. That's really unusual. Absolutely. Well, from what we've heard and met, it's kind of a bit of an old boys club. Stefan and I have sort of worked in different logistics backgrounds for 10 years prior to getting into the sanitation industry. 
So what we've done is we've decided after 10 years we got asked, would you like to come on to join the sanitation, the portable toilet site? So we've come on board. So is it a family business? Yeah, it's family, family run and owned, New Zealand owned and operated. So yeah. yeah, that's a pretty awesome point of view, to be honest. Yeah. And it's a real family feel in our business, which we think and we'd never want to lose that. Yeah, we're really lucky that because we are a family business, we can sort of project that family feel to the rest of our team as well. So yeah. when we say we're a family business, it's not just us. The, the COVID family, it's all our team. You know, everyone really cares for Prestige Lose as if they were, you know, had their last name COVID. Yeah, cool. And to give listeners a, a sense of perspective, Ryan, um, the week before last from Acadian Sanitation, was really small. New entrant, 50 toilets. Can we get a feel of the size of the Prestige operation? We've just put new software in, but we're looking at around 4,000 toilets out at the moment. That's a big operation for New Zealand. Yeah. I think you'd be up there with the big players. Yeah, and remembering that's only Auckland and a little bit of Tauranga and Hamilton. So so you're not national coverage? Yeah, just top of the North Island. We've always said that we want to be fantastic at what we do, and if we grow because of that, that's just an absolute bonus. And looking around your yard, I was really impressed. A, it was clean. And everything was lined up really orderly and you got some great facilities and lots of really exciting new stock. You've got some beautiful new trailers there. Yeah, I mean, we've done lots. Myself and Anthony have only been with Prestige for the last well, 18 months and two years. Business has completely turned on its head in those two years. So we've spent a lot of, invested a lot of money on, on new gear and just really honing in and just getting the job done right the first time. So making sure we've got the right trucks, they're serviced and ready to go as well as the right toilets for the situation um, and recognising the need that not everyone wants a plastic toilet. Um, And so we've got a whole range now from doubles, like four pan, six pan, all the way now to our our 10 pan, which you saw on the the yard, which... It was impressive. The the smell of it had that brand new car smell. Oh, yeah. So I'm I'm guessing it hasn't been out on the road quite yet. It hasn't been used just yet. (laughs) It's a beautiful looking unit and I, I can't imagine there's another one like that in New Zealand. No, no, we're definitely the, the sole business that's got those big 10-pan units. Okay. And that's just see where the market's sort of going and what we want to provide. And yeah. We saw there was a cornerstone for the need for that, so we invested and that's why we've brought it to the market. And, and the typical audience or, or user for that type of equipment? It can be for anyone from schools to big events, the sort of VIP section. Where those will come into their own uh, things like Auckland Polo, mm-hmm. where... They actually mm. book out all our whiteware fleet, which is all our trailerized. Yes. We call the whiteware our trailerized fancy stuff. If we've got a 10 pan, we only have to do two trips out to <laughs> the polo to yes. make sure we've got enough nice flushing toilets for the patrons there. The one thing that struck me in the walk around the yard, you've both of you have got a real passion for it. You, you love it. It just oozes from you. You love the sanitation industry. I just picked that vibe up. Yeah, I think oozing is a biological term for <laughs> yeah. what we clean up. Um, yeah. But I never really thought about it until you're in the business. And really, if you're not passionate about it, it's going to be really hard ride for you, right? Because it, yeah. it's, mm. you're not carting milk or, you, you know, you're not. it's not a pleasant <laughs> job most mm-hmm. of the time. But it's actually really exciting. And the logistics of it is massive for events or even just our day-to-day part mm-hmm. of the operation and when you pull that off you think that's really cool but hopefully you're making money as well we are at the moment it is hard because we're just trying to reinvest everything we have into mm. new gear and there was a point there where stuff's getting on to six years now since it was it was bought so it's getting that stuff refurbished and mm-hmm. back up we're still having to be very careful with cost control and making sure that our events that we do 
and even just your builder's toilet is a profitable operation so we can continue to i mean we have had times where it's been real tough mm. with the requirement to spend money to keep things up and running as well to keep the business growing and sort of lurching forward so i you know i'm from the the mainland i'm from the south island and we're we've got our own peculiar ways and foibles down there and it's pretty common in christchurch certainly for most builders toilets to be on a two weekly service there are a few operators who insist on weekly but most are on two weekly What's the state in Auckland? 99% is weekly service. Mm. So that, that doubles your workload compared to a Christchurch business straight away. Absolutely. And that's something that we're not super keen on going to a fortnightly service. No, um, I'm with you. I, I, mm. I like weekly. Yeah, unless it's regional areas that you know we can only get to, say, Rotorua once every two weeks because then we need to go to another part mm -hmm. the other, other week. If we're not keeping our service up and servicing them every week, a, we sort of fall into the background, and B, the toilets aren't that clean. So yes. then you start to fall into that stereotype of, hey, oh, I hate poor loos, they're stinky, smelly things that I hate using, where at least if they're clean and serviced regularly, they're a nice, you, you, clean, sanitised, hygienic place to do well, we're business. On the, we're on the same page there. That's, that's the primary reason why I started to podcast, was that I'd had some toilet experiences that I wouldn't want anybody else to have, and I didn't think it needed to be like that. Now, I'll get a plug in here because I wasn't expecting this, but as I walked into your yard, I see there's a Sanitrex module there and it looks a really cool unit, a funky design, very compact. Any plans to get more? Uh, yep, we've got another container of them on the water. So we're very, very excited. So we, we brought these Sanitrex modules in proof of concept. Uh, yes. Check that they work, set them up, see how they go. And were um, you impressed? Oh, absolutely. They're, Very impressed. Yeah, they're bloody expensive. Yes. But you, when they landed, we see we could see where every cent has gone. You know, it makes absolute sense. You, know, you get exactly what you pay for on those modules, and we're really excited to see you know how the New Zealand market's going to receive them, and mm. it's going to make things very flexible for us when we do events. Yes, or that, whatever whatever we choose to put them in. Sanitrax approached me to sponsor the show and they definitely talk the same language that you do. That It's about sanitation, it's about cleanliness, hygiene, it's about customer service and enhancing the experience of the user. And I got all of that from you today walking around the yard. It was refreshing, it really was. In a time with the health concerns with COVID and all of that, this sort of takes the sanitation to the next level in, in New Zealand. No one's had anything like that before and it's... A whole system that you know no exposed waste and mm. all the things that Sanitrax talks about means that we can bring that to New Zealand and actually deliver completely different product to events. It's really exciting. So I'm going to ask this question: You're two young fellows. What do your family and friends say when you tell them that you're in the poo industry? Well, um, yeah, with the ladies, it's either a conversation start or a conversation ender. Well, I suppose yeah. they'd be looking at you thinking you could handle babies' nappies. Yeah, that's very very true. I haven't thought about that one. But usually people are very, very interested, really, really interested. I worked in, you know, financial logistics before and it's a pretty sort of short conversation. But um, people always want to know, oh, where does the waste go and those sorts of questions. So they're very, very interested as well. And being part of a family business and working alongside your cousin is really, really awesome. We live and sleep it, which is quite funny enough because we actually live together as well. So if we're not at work, we're talking about work at home. Yeah. The first thing that I, I struck me at your yard was that you've got a pretty well set up, well managed, well run system there and you dump on site. And certainly that's not common or usual in some cities that most operators will be driving out to a, either a municipal dump station or to another private facility. But what's the benefit for you of being able to dump in your yard? 
it's just a, a huge cost um, saving for us, right? So the volume that we're doing, um, we want to maximise the time that our trucks are on the road and every time there's a driver behind that, the, the wheel of that truck, that truck's servicing toilets. So we've got an awesome system now that our drivers come back after their, their day of servicing, park their trucks up, our night shift guy can go through, he can dump all the trucks, water them up, stock them up, have them parked up, ready to go. And so the driver comes back in the morning, looks at his phone, knows I've got this many services to do, hops in the truck, does his check, and heads on off to do their day. So you're telling me you've got a separate guy, works a night shift, and his job is to empty and replenish and sort out all of the trucks. Yep. yep. That, that's awesome. That makes so much sense. Yeah. yeah. We'd rather that, you know, the guys are on the road doing what they do best instead of coming back to the yard and worrying about emptying the truck, Who filling came with, up with water. That idea then? Um, <laughs> we'll give that one to Stefan. <laughs> yeah. We'll give that one to him. Yeah, yeah. It was um, yeah. Actually, when I started, it was it was cancelled because for whatever reason. And I said, "That's why did we do that? It's ridiculous. It's the best you know, best option, and probably gives another hour, two hours to every driver a day." So if, the, the if truck in the morning, to. they just have to get the keys, make sure they've got the stock, and away they go. Yeah, well, even the stock's filled up, so they literally jump awesome. in. We get them to do their um, trap checks, so they have a little checklist that they do on their their phone, or a little app for it, and mm -hmm. they check their trucks, make sure it's safe, and they do all the, the indicators and brake lights and all that's working, and then they head off on their way. Their uptime is 100% uptime. Mm. Yeah. Even their blues are counted, down to each and every blue, so we know from a stock level where we're at. This is a question I'm asked lots and lots by listeners. How many blues are we putting in the toilet? Just one. Just, Just the one. one. Yep. And on a weekly clean, I'm guessing that that's fine. Yep. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. That wasn't regulated in the business either when we started, and it's easy for a driver to go, oh, yeah, I'll chuck two or three of those in there, and all of a sudden across those services, you're spending another $200,000 a year yeah. on blue. That's mm. not really going anywhere. Yeah. And then even in the summer, it hasn't caused any issues no. for us. Because it, it gets hot and humid in, in Auckland. Oh, yeah. 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 Definitely during that sort of November to sort of, you know, March period. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very, very hot. Oh, once a fortnight service, yeah, wouldn't go down well. No, I'm not a fan anyway. Yeah, well, we're, we're definitely informed if we've missed a, a service over <laughs> uh, from a week. They, they expect us to be there. And especially in summer, it's important. So yeah. if you start to get to the 10-day mark, we are using one blue. The toilets aren't, yeah. aren't very pleasant. So. And in terms of the fleet, I, I saw a huge range of toilets. You know, you've got two or three brands, but you've got different options within that. Yeah, so we, we tried to keep it sort of real easy. So our construction brand's called um, Fitbox or Safe Hivers Toilet. <laughs> Shipbox to the New Zealand listeners. <laughs> so basically, the, the skew is we basically have the orange and they're a non-flush unit and then the lime green is a flushing unit. Okay. And so they're great on construction side as well. Yeah, colour-coded and hivers as well. Mm -hmm. So uh, some of the customers use that almost as their... They put, like, their project plans in the side of the box or the toilet because it stands out, good sort of meeting point as well for yes. their daily meetings and health and safety registers okay. and all that on all the rest. And... The dark green we have are our prestige event toilets and their flushing units. Foot flush? Foot flush. Recircle flush. Recircle. Yeah. Foot flush, freshwater or recirc. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, all all recirc. Um, and we made a definite decision to move away from freshwater flushing and hand, hand basin models. Um, mm -hmm. And there's a number of reasons why we did that. I guess number one is the hygiene, hygiene you get out of the... The hand, hand wash um, yes. unit, so mm -hmm. you, know, you get the situation where you're a nice, fresh, clean toilet, but hand basin's all filled up, hand towel's done, 
So the first guy goes in there and pumps the water a few times, washes their hands, you know, does the 20 seconds like you're supposed to do for WHO hand wash standards and goes there, pulls a whole lot of hand towels out, washes their hands. Third guy comes along, used all the, all the water out, filled up the waste tank in, in the process, mm -hmm. and then they've got nowhere to dry their hands. And so they go wipe their hands on their pants, and so straight away you've got hands that haven't been dried properly. You've got no hand wash towels. Mm -hmm. And then also, you don't really know how clean the inside of the, the water tank is. So. And that's a really good point, Steph, that I'm guessing most operators don't take the lid off the waste receptacle mm -hmm. and they don't rinse and desanitize and clean the inside of the, the waste water receptacle on the freshwater sink. With a freshwater sink, you've also got the added waste that you need to cart in your truck, so you actually affect your service levels. Yeah, absolutely. You, you can't carry as much waste because now you've got an extra 100, 200 litres of hand wash water to deal with as well. A absolutely. And even with the COVID-19 outbreak in the construction sector sort of opening up under level three, we actually were invited to write a uh, letter to the Minister of Construction and Building for New Zealand about sort of the pros and cons of the hand sanitizer, hand wash model. And they actually took that into account when they released the sort of new sort of laws of what was required on construction yeah, sites. I, I remember that draft guidance coming out mm. and it said that toilets should be fitted with a freshwater hand wash station. The draft guidance said that. And it, I think the industry for once did actually get its act together and lots of operators wrote in. Absolutely. And, and, and the published guidance did say hand wash or hand sanitizer. Absolutely, yeah. And the, yeah. Key, yeah, the key is the hand sanitizer is roughly as clean as using water soap and soap. Water. But the caveat is you need to do the 20 seconds, you need um, warm or hot water to wash your hands, and you need a place to better dry them properly. And as soon as you, know, you run out of fresh water or you don't have the hand towels, or you don't have flowing hot water, then you start to actually lose that sanitation part of the hand wash basin yeah. and freshwater flush toilets. So. Yeah. Have you had any sanitizers stolen during the COVID outbreak then? Because that's been a, a big problem. There was actually a, a massive problem at one stage. We definitely had when the toilet paper crisis, you know, the media <laughs> hype for the toilet paper, we were missing sort of toilet rolls and the likes. Luckily, with our new technology, funnily enough, when the toilet's cleaned and scanned with the RFID tag, they can actually take a picture of the toilet roll being full, how clean the toilet is, and how full the sanitizer is. So it takes away that conversation with customers if they're wondering if it was restocked. Do you want to talk about the app? Do you, is that something you want, and the technology you're using there? Because that sounds quite cutting edge. Yeah, um, Stefan's kind of led the charge on that for about two years in development, so I'll let him take control of that. Yeah, the app has definitely been a, not a, a labour of love, but it's been a, a, long, a long process, um, and we've gone down the track of a bespoke software system. So, so you've developed something entirely from scratch in house. Yes, correct. So we've worked, worked, worked with developers for it, um, and it will be a commercially ready toilet app as such. The problem with the toilet industry is there's no there's no software that does everything that you need, right? So first problem is routing. Um, routing is quite mm -hmm. an easy software. Um, second one is how do you build your customers? So yeah. you can use rental software that works well for time-based rental stuff where you might have to service, say, you're hiring out a compactor or a, mm -hmm. a drill, you know, you're... You're hiring it for a period of time, you get charged for that, and then you return it. And yep. then there might need to be, you damaged it, so they come and fix it and they charge you for that. 
Whereas in the toilet industry, we found it was hard to get something that did both, right? So you've got the hire of the toilet and you've got the, the clean fee. And then how do you keep track of where your toilets are? All that inventory as well. So tying all that together was really hard. It is, um, it is. And I'll be honest, and this is an episode I'm planning for the future. I'm glad we're having the conversation there. But this is a question that I've been asked most of all, more than anything else. Can you talk about software and let us know what solutions are available? And sure, there are lots of different options that do part of the story, but I haven't seen anything yet that does everything. It pulls together a lot of different modules. So the routing stuff is not hugely innovative now. It's just a GPS point. Did you do the task that you had to do or not? And then find the shortest distance between the next one. Other routing systems didn't use Google Maps, which didn't, if you didn't use Google Maps, it was difficult for New Zealand. In the construction industry, it's really hard because a lot of the sites don't exist. No addresses. Um, No addresses. Mm. Subdivisions. New new developments and stuff like that. So that was really um, another sort of part that was really important for us. Yes. And so the system now gives the driver their routes, how many toilets they've got to do. It gives them the order that they should do it in to minimise the distance or minimise the time. So it weighs that, that up. So you might have 30 toilets on one run, but 70 on another, but because of their driving time, they'll both finish at the same time. So it balances that out. Mm. Um, And then being able to communicate back to the office. So Mm -hmm. yes, I've done the service, so that applies the charge for that service. Um, We've got uh, damages, so we can record the damages on those toilets. A GPS locates those. So when the driver goes to the site and says, I've cleaned this toilet, it takes the GPS position of where they've done that. So we know, okay, cool, that's where the toilet is so on site. Are you issuing drivers with phones, company phones, to be able to manage all of this, yep. or pad, iPads or tablets? Yep. Yeah, so, um, so that was uh, another difficult part as well. So the toilets all have RFID tags yes. on them. So you need the phone that can read NFC. And so there's no tablets that do that. So we've found a bunch of Samsung phones that do that, that are affordable, because the phones get an absolute hammering. During the, the course <laughs> of a job, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, yeah, they, they use that. So they turn up the toilet, they scan the toilet, um, they're serialised. So we go, this is that toilet. We know where that one is. Um, we've cleaned it. If there's a problem with the site, so they can't, there's no access, they take a photo, write a little comment saying, gate's locked, there's no code or padlock key given. That can go straight to the customer and say... So you and you've done you've started all that develop that in house. Uh, no, we've used a company that's developed it and we've pioneered it with them. Okay. So there seems to be a huge demand in the industry for a bespoke app that's easy to use in the field, accurate, real time, and then can send that information back to the office and import it into mind your own business or zero or whatever invoicing software you've got. Because the risk is when you're juggling four thousand toilets. If the driver doesn't get the information back to you in the office, you don't charge your customer. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. 4,000 lose is a lot of revenue that you don't want to be missing out on. That's Absolutely. Exactly. And yeah. then it goes the next step further so we can invoice and manage our debtors out of that system as well. So it's literally, it is an end-to-end system. Yeah. Um, and even, so the problem you often have is the delivery driver might not be the same guy as your service driver. So he goes and delivers the toilet. It might be at you know one two three a street but it's right down the back and it's probably an entrance from somewhere else mm-hmm. so the gps goes oh i can see actually i'm here the toilet is way over there let's see if i can find my way there so the service driver can always see where the last service was performed or where the toilet was delivered so 
That's it helps right. create a bit of efficiency that mm. way as well. So in, in the next couple of months, I'm trying to pull together a Zoom meeting with um, a gent called Guy Smith from Hiralu in, in Australia. There's Roy Baring, who's at Texas Sanitation Solutions over in the, U, the US. Dave from Sanitrax. And if you would like to join in that episode and just share your ideas and experiences. Absolutely. Happy to do that. What, I'm, what yeah. I'm really hoping is that we can pull together all of the right people with all of the right knowledge, know-how and access to the developer resources. And maybe there's a small opportunity there for a cooperative to put together a marketable app. You might be way in front of us. You might be have something that's ready to oh. go to market. And I know there are companies like Service Core that say they're doing a good job, but I think that the opportunity is right, that there's demand. Yeah, opportunity is sort of greatly there. And from, I'm a bit more sort of customer-facing than Stefan going out to actually meeting them. I had a meeting with one of our customers today, and because of the RFID tag and scanning, we can actually show down to the second of when that toilet has actually been cleaned. means we can pull a service history, so, oh, you weren't here to clean my toilet? Well, we were there for the last sort of two months. You can actually at see your it. Absolutely, at your fingertips. And then if they wanted a future forecast of when their services, that's already been pulled and routed in our system as well. That's clever yeah. stuff. Yeah, it really is clever stuff. And the sort of next release that we'll be looking at, because it uses Google Maps, is, say, a toilet at 12A Street is done on a Tuesday, and it's sort of been routed between that 10, 10.30 mark. It'll send a ping to the customer saying, hey, your toilet truck will be here to clean your low between these times. Please keep the driveway clear. That's cool. And, you know, using APIs now, you can import lots of other, hook, hook your system up to lots of other apps. You know, we've been looking at um, sending text messages to customers to say, hey, we've been and serviced your toilet. And, and some builders will say, oh, I get too many messages, I don't want to know. But other customers will absolutely want that. And that could be a small chargeable extra that actually, once you've set it up, doesn't cost you very much to deliver as an operator if it's all done off your phone. Absolutely. The more sort of communication that some customers like in their hands, the better there it is. And it just stops sort of the emails and phone calls to the office. The more sort of information we can put in the customer's hands, the yeah. better it is for everyone, to be honest. Yeah. We work with a lot of companies that um, hire our toilets and do combo deals. So they might do bins and fencing well, uh, sorry, bins and toilets or fencing and toilets. And so we'll um, hire them the toilet and they'll work with the customer and book through us to get the toilet delivered, but they invoice the customer for a toilet and fencing combo. Yep. And so they'll have a bunch of customers that they want information on, so we can turn on a little web portal and say, hey, this Mr Fencing guy, you can see where all your toilets are, you can see when they were cleaned, um, and, and provide information that way to your customers. So they don't have to call our customer service team and say, hey, you guys weren't there, or when did you last service this toilet? You know, it's, it's cool. And in, in the real world, this is normal. This is the way that things are today, that information is available and it's on hand. And, you know, look at the way your banking's changed over the last five years. Absolutely. But for portable sanitation, there are not many companies who are doing it to what I'm feeling is the level that you're doing. I've always said that we are a logistics company. We just cut waste. And we use technology and innovation to bring, want to bring it to the sort of next level. And I feel like we definitely are achieving that through sort of technology, the innovation of our trucks, our toilets, every sort of 
corner or sort of cornerstone of the business. Okay, so I'm going to be a bit rude. And how are you doing that when you've got your 50, I'm a 50-something-year-old fella who's a bit useless with technology. <laughs> how are you doing that when you've got your 50-something driver who looks at his phone and doesn't know which is the front and the back? <laughs> yeah, we've got a few few sort of driver challenges in there. And I think that just comes down to training. We don't put the guys sort of straight away. They have, you know, one or two months sitting in the cab with one of our experienced drivers. And we call them our senior sort of service driver team and they know the standard of what we expect for servicing, how, how to use the technology and the information that they actually need to pass on. If you're going to hire a new driver, talk me through the process you go through from the point that the guy says, I'll start work on Monday. Yeah, that's a really interesting process for us. Um, and yeah, I'm sure many other um, people listening to this probably have will go, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. It's really hard to find drivers. And New Zealand itself... Truck drivers are a massive shortage. I, I think it's really hard to find sanitation drivers worldwide, yeah. genuinely. The, the comments I'm getting back to the show are, are all saying it's really difficult to find a good driver who we can invest in, will stay with you and do the job properly. Yeah, and they, you go, cool, yeah, we've got a truck driving job, and they go, yep, I'm ready to drive trucks, and then they, you go, oh, and you clean toilets yeah. too, and they go, oh, I don't oh, know about yeah, that. No. I think um, from the initial get-go, we're very, very honest with the team sort of interviewing us who are looking at the job. We say 50% is driving, 50% is cleaning toilets. We say you have to come out for a trial day, which we pay for, because, you know, a lot of people, as I'm sure people know, hiring people for toilet drivers, yeah, keen, keen, keen. They get to it and they go, oh, I'm not that interested, actually. Yeah. <laughs> and then that normally whittles, I don't say you get 100 applicants, That'll whittle them down to 10, yeah. and then you might get one out of that 10. And those numbers probably actually aren't that exaggerated, to be mm. fair. It just seems to be a global problem, but it's a really exciting industry, and it's really enjoyable, and you're king of the road, really. You, you, you're out in the trunk, you've not got anybody breathing down your neck every five minutes. You know, sure, you've got a list of jobs to do, but I can't think of anything better. <laughs> I think, yeah, we, we, we've been on the road many a times and, you know, even sort of events and people love the toilet guys, you yeah, know? Yeah. Yeah. No one's disappointed to see you, right? They have to move their vehicles maybe and they don't have to find space for you. The, yes, I get a clean toilet into this, you know? And, and I'm mm. guessing, you know, we're, we're paying a bit more than minimum wage usually because you've got a Class 2 driver quite often, so... you you know, you're not paying $16 an hour. Absolutely, yeah. We definitely, yeah, we pay significantly yeah. more than the market rate and that's to hire to... The next stage is how do we keep these guys on? Yeah. And we've got guys that have been working for us, you know, well over, you know, six or seven years. And the way we've done that is put a sort of good culture in the business. We put on a uh, driver breakfast every morning for our guys um, that we every pay for. Morning. Every morning. Well, you didn't tell me that. You said coming out of Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tomorrow morning we can meet at the bakery. <laughs> Some eggs on toast. So that's hugely important. Insurance for our guys, healthcare as well. So, yeah, I think it's important. It's not just hiring, it's how do we keep those guys on. Yeah. And that's through cultural, and that's when it all sort of encompasses to that sort of family feel and the sort of prestige business. Mm. That's hugely, hugely important to us. Yeah. yeah. Making sure they're comfortable and have the tools to do their job. So, you know, if they want a different bit of uniform to keep them warm or dry or whatever it is, just happy, happy to do it because you're out there in the elements and making sure that they're comfortable in doing it because it's much easier to buy a raincoat than have to hire another driver. driver. Without a doubt. Is the standard work wear in Auckland long sleeves, long pants? Yeah, the, most of the standard getting onto construction sites is that. Come some of that's a sort of a bit different. 
But we issue our guys with black overalls with a business logo. We buy quite expensive sort of health and safety sort of gear. We want them looking good. They're our face of our business. They're a brand of our business. They're our sales reps at the same time. And we've always, you know, said how important uniform is to us. And that's why come 5 a.m. at the yard, they're all looking really, really sharp. So you start the day at 5 a.m. with a breakfast? Yep. And are guys doing nine hours, 10 hours, 12 hours a day if you... Yeah, some of them are pushing 12 hours at the moment. So we're we're at capacity with our drivers at the moment. We're a truck down, unfortunately. We, we've written one off. Drivers uh, came out unscathed, which we're very That's lucky with. That's the most with. important thing, the driver. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Yeah. yeah, but so we've yeah, got three trucks on order in the process being manufactured now, which will help create a, a little bit of a an, an buy, ease. Are you buying those in New Zealand or offshore? So what we do, we, we, buy the, we buy the trucks from New Zealand and we manufacture and we've sort of fabricated our own sort of tanks overseas and we bring them in and they're the perfect truck because they're big enough to, do, to sort of hit that, you know, 60, 70 services mark, which some of our guys are doing, yeah. but small enough to get into the construction sites to tight driveways as well. Okay. So we've just tried to be very innovative and smart about how we design our trucks. So that's 60, 70 a day. Now, the, the, the most contentious comments I get on my Facebook posts <laughs> are about how many services a day do, do guys do. Now, physically, I know I can't do more than 25. How are you guys getting through that many, and are they doing a cleaning job on that, or is it a suck and run? No, it's a full sort of cleaning job, and that sort of 60 or 70 toilets, usually there could be, you know, five in a line at some sort of subdivisions as well, so they just can bang out, you yeah. know, a few of them in a row, so they're not going, you know, some of them are so one toilet. travel time. Minimal travel time as well, very, very minimal travel so that, time. That density is really important, because that's where you get your cost savings that when you're driving, you're not earning money, you're burning diesel to get to the next job. Absolutely, and so we did, we put in a new system where we have a sort of truck in each sort of different area, and that truck goes to that same area every day, gets to know the area, kind of where the toilets are. If an emergency job comes up, we've got a truck in the area that can hit it. And the drivers are given a, a schedule of jobs for today? Yep. And, yeah. they, and they follow that. So um, what I've experienced in the past is a driver's in an area and he sees one of the company's toilets, so he services it even though it's not on the list today, but he figures I'm there. So I'm guessing you don't have that. They just do the jobs on the list. Yeah, absolutely. So they've got their run sheet that comes through part of our, our software, um, yeah. and that says these are the toilets that you need to, to do. If there's uh, one that seems to be left off, they can always give us a, a bell. But, yeah, we want to make sure, because they've got big full days as it is, yes. we want to make sure it's as efficient as possible. Yeah. And that toilet might have just been delivered or... Um, might be on a fortnightly service or something like that. For whatever reason, they'll normally notify us if there's one out there. But we want to make sure that we've got a nice tight cluster for each of our drivers. Yeah, to that, hit that makes day. a lot of sense. And what's your process if you've got um, an, a, a site that's blocked or there's no access? What, how, how do your drivers deal with that? On their phone, they can either hit tick complete, and that means the service is done. That processes the billing for that individual service. If not, they can change, we call it changing the colour, so it starts at light blue, mm-hmm. and we want to finish it on different colour. So it goes bright red if there's uh, no access, and it forces the driver to take a photo of uh, the no access and write a note. So no access does that way. If there's damages or graffiti, we can, you can notify us that way. Not found, so we, we deal with a hire company that does the de- delivery and pickup of the, the toilets, and we service on their behalf. Mm-hmm. So they are notorious for coming around and picking up the toilet, off-hiring it, so we turn up the site. Not oh, it's not there. So, um, <laughs> yeah. so we yeah, make sure that that all gets, get, comes through. So we, at times of 
billing or if there's any queries, we can go and see, hey, well, on the 15th, it was not found or um, there was no access. Here's the photo. And, you know, 99% of the time they go, oh, okay, that makes that, sense. That, um, servicing toilets for different companies, that's quite common. Um, I know a lot of different portable restroom operators do that around New Zealand. Do you think that we're servicing the guest toilets to the same standard that we service our own toilets? From our point of view, we complete random audits on the third-party toilets and ours as well. So we haven't found it an issue at all, to be honest, but I could see how it could become an issue, definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. regardless of the colour of the toilet, our team know that you this, know, is need, need, this is the standard and this effectively is our toilet, so you need to have that the same, yeah. same level of standard that we... No, not race is not discriminating I, in colour on those toilets. I'm a know. big fan of random audits. That's something I, I really try to encourage that um, because it gives you a, an insight into what's happening. And, and it doesn't matter if the, serv the service has been done today or not. You can tell in any of your toilets how well that toilet was cleaned, whether it was cleaned this week or last week. You can just see straight away. Yep. And sadly, a lot of the toilets I open the door on when I'm out and about, I would say the score's less than 55%. Is some of mm. them are quite poor. Lots of dust on the shelves, sanitizer streaks down the wall that aren't just from today's use. We can see they've built up over time. When you're doing those audits, what sort of numbers and what vibe do you get? We've definitely had to have the conversation with drivers if the, the, the service has been lacking, even if the customer hasn't notified us. And we take that very, very seriously yeah. because service level is hugely important to us. Anyone can sort of get a plastic toilet and put on a site, but it's how well you maintain that hygiene and sort of cleaning standard. Yeah. So... All our sales reps have actually spent time with drivers before they go out on the road. They understand the process, the whole cleaning procedure. So they know what a you know dirty, what a really clean toilet is and what's a pretty average toilet. So when they go out there, we can get notified straight and away. Are you fitting your urinals in your toilets? Uh, yes, in the constructions and yeah. the orange and limes. Yeah, we and do and have urinals. And dramas with uric scale? No, because we use a specialised product to take all that sort of calcium build-up off. Yeah. And so as part of when the driver gets back at night, all this, his um, spray bottles are refilled with what he needs as well. For the next day. Yep. Yeah. That's cool. And it, when a toilet comes off job, if it is really bad with the um, calcium build-up, we can either swap the urinal out or if the toilet's really tired, then we just... At the other firm, they never cleaned a urinal mm. and some of it was baked on. I mean, it, man, it yeah. was bad. Yeah, it's yeah, and that's funny enough. As soon as you open the door to the, to the toilet, the urinal is the first thing you see. And in, no matter how clean the bowl is, if you've got you know that calcium build up on the on the urinal, nah, that's just no smells. deal. Okay. We were mucking around with that ATP testing, which does that you know, swab the toilets. And mm. when we first got the tester, we thought, oh, let's see if we can break this thing. So we dipped it in our macerator, but <laughs> we swapped a whole lot of urinals. And now, so this is a test kit to test for viral pathogens. Yeah, so ATP testing is. Um, I did lots of research while I was locked up over, <laughs> over COVID. Um, tests for proteins left on a surface, and proteins sort of create an environment for germs and stuff to, to grow. And so if you've cleaned a surface well enough, there's no proteins, which means there are no, no germs that can grow on that surface. So we thought, oh, let's just start testing our toilets that way. That way we've got actually a proper factual number that we can eventually say, so, hey, so that's our a, toilets are So a factual measurement of how clean they are. Absolutely, yeah. 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 And so, yeah, we were mucking around with that and we swapped a whole lot of urinals and we actually got a lot of results that were as clean as the toilet itself. And when we say clean, the tester reads from zero to 99,900 at max. I think it just 
how many nines they can put on the screen. <laughs> and food grades, anything less than 300. And we've still been mucking around with how the process is on to get these toilets and get consistent low readings. Yeah. But we haven't had anything over 1,200, and most hours sit within the 400 That's to zero really mark. That's really impressive. So, so you're testing toilets in the yard and on site to yep. see how clean they are. Yeah. And you, you're not just doing a visual inspection like I would be doing, you're actually taking scientific readings. Yeah, yeah we're taking, because we believe in data, so you can pick data, we love efficiency, we love data. Um, so we went, well, how do we fix this and how do we actually get, you know, test to proof? That's and really that exciting. system is works and our sales rep have one as well. So as part of that audit, they can swap a toilet as well. So is it expensive kit? Uh, it was about $3,000 for, for the kit, and I think each swab's about $2 to do. Okay, so so we, we don't obviously test every toilet because it would be prohibitively expensive, but we do um, you know, random tests. I, I'm guessing pit. we'll get a lot of messages and calls about that because mm. um, you're the first people in the industry that I've heard talk about swab testing toilets to see how clean they are. That's really exciting. Yeah, it's, so it's part of that thing to, you know, change that whole dilemma there. You talk to people, I don't like portable toilets. It's like, well, how do we change that? Like, we're getting yeah. food-grade hygiene out of a out of a plastic toilet. That's it's not impressive. too bad at all. I mean, I'd love our yard to be a surgery. <laughs> you know, I'd love for our, Sterile our, white our, yeah, our yard guys to have, you know, white overalls on and, you know, mm. have their job done. Um, I don't know how possible that is, but yeah. I want to change the way that people think about the toilet industry. I caught up yesterday with Dean at Thunderbox up on the Dairy Flat and we had a good conversation about going to sites in the middle of winter and Auckland's got a lot of clay on the ground. Yep. He said that you just can't win. You go and clean the toilet floor and as soon as the first user goes in, you're back to clay all over the bottom of your toilet floor. Yep. I've seen some toilets with a mesh base that you sort of avoid some of that problem because they've got a, a honeycomb type base. It's interesting that having a mucky floor doesn't necessarily mean you have a dirty toilet. So you can tell the difference sort yeah. of straight away even without sort of testing it. You yeah. can actually go, that toilet's been sort of hygienically cleaned. You so can you do. can definitely, definitely tell the difference. Yeah. And I know what he's talking about. We've all seen it in the yeah. industry. Yeah, there's been a number of times where you get a call from a customer saying, you haven't been out and cleaned our toilet and so you go, okay, we'll go along and have a look. And you lift the lid and there's nothing in the, you know, the blue's nice and blue and yeah. no toilet paper or anything in there. You know, everything's restocked. You know, where it is, you just put your muddy, muddy boot prints on there, you know, <laughs> and I can't help the, it. The common one for that is I've run out of toilet paper. And I remember once I had a guy phone me at six o'clock on a Sunday morning and I answered the phone because I thought it would be the police or somebody that had <laughs> been an incident and they needed a toilet. And this guy said, oh, I'm in Kaikoura and I've run out of toilet paper. So I said, oh, yeah, I'm on my way. <laughs> Put the phone down. And I swear, to, an hour later, he phoned me and said, are you nearly here? <laughs> no, mate, I'm still in bed. <laughs> oh, there's, yeah, there are definitely some stories. <laughs> yeah, there really are. One of the things that I noticed in your yard, you've got a really comprehensive fleet of luxury trailers and bigger units and then lots of toilets, which I'm guessing give you the capacity to service large events and I'm talking about your rock concerts and your wine festivals and stuff like that. Is that much of a, a revenue stream for Prestige? Yeah that serves a major part of Prestige um, and that's more part of the Prestige branding that we have. The Schwitt box which is more the construction side of things and Prestige is almost 100% event work. Which... So sub-brands within a brand? <clears throat> yeah I yeah. guess we're, we're called Prestige Lose but yeah, Prestige focuses definitely more on the event side of things, where um, Schwitbox is more our construction sector. Yeah. Okay, so one of the things that I often talk about is the balance between 
servicing your weekly regular clientele, your construction sites and your civil, and then also trying to find a way to service those large set-piece events where you might deploy 100, 200, 400 loos, maybe more. How do you manage that without disrupting your daily service runs? We've just got to carry, especially during event season, carry extra staff. Okay. Um, we've been lucky that we've been growing uh, very, very quickly. So at the end of event season, we typically need those staff anyway um, as they yeah, feed them into the um, construction sector. And the pump truck drivers are, are the key ones for us. So it's easy for us to get temporary staff in as attendants and, and labourers to help pack in and pack out events, but making sure that we... Um, either pull deliveries or services forward where we can to give drivers time off pre-event and post-event. So yeah. we do all our events without having to impact our construction sector because we might have one event, but we could potentially annoy 800 customers that, that you one day. Mm. You could. And, and that's, you know, I've experienced that, that you've only got a finite number of drivers, trucks, toilets, and trying to juggle two competing demands is, is not always possible. And you don't want to upset your bread and butter customers that, that rely on you day in, day out, week after week after week. Exactly, and every single one of those guys are really important because without those guys, we wouldn't have a business um, and it would make events a lot harder to do because we wouldn't have a, that sort of scalability to be able to move uh, resources yeah. from one to another. Now, I saw some really ginormous flat deck trailers in your yard. It suggests that you're able to move quite big numbers of toilets fairly quickly. Yeah, so from sort of the event sort of scale, uh, it's about obviously having the team members but the right sort of assets in place. Yeah. So we've got some sort of 16-bay trailers and they've really got rollers on them and clips. So easy on and off at events and then with our flat deck as well so we can move about 26 at one time. To give a bit of scope as well just to pull back, after the 660 event where we did, you know, 550 toilets... It doesn't even include the sort of luxury trailers we had there. We had our big girl, we call we call it mother girl, build big ship or number plate in Depot. So we had that down at Western Springs. And so what that enables us to do from a logistics point is we could have a couple of pump trucks going around pumping the toilets, then they can just go fill up big girl and go back to sucking. So they don't have to go all the way back to base to dump and then come back. So big girl's a really big class four, five tanker truck. Yeah, 18,000 litre yeah. vacuum truck. She's so, a big mama. Yeah, yeah, mm, she's yeah. very cool. Creates a whole lot of efficiencies for us there. For something like the Auckland Marathon, we just need that one truck and that goes through and pumps all, I think it's 400 toilets. Yeah. 190, 400 toilets. I can't That's remember on top of my head. Yeah. But just one truck goes through, cleans it up, two hoses, and then behind that has our, our trailer and flat deck set up and just pop them on, head back to base. So. Becoming pretty efficient you at, make it at sound events. Really easy, but I know it's not. Yeah, yeah, it, it sounds easy, but it's not. And that vacuum in that big girl can suck pretty hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it was pretty cool. Like, um, yeah, one of the cover a difficult ones are Splore because it's out yeah. Tapapakanga Regional Park, which is way out in Cleveland ways. So it's an hour and a half, two hours drive. So we can ju- we just sent three truck and trailers uh, on the on the first day that they took ownership of the of the park, yeah. and we had all our toilets packed in within three hours, and then that was that gig ready to go. So for... if you've got the right assets and you've got the right team, it's really straightforward. <coughs> it's when you're struggling to make do with gear that's not suitably designed. And I, I was interested to see the rollers on the side of your big trailer. That's quite impressive. Yeah, they, they do make it easy to get the toilets on and off, um, <laughs> easily damaged with a forklift, so we've had to be pretty hard on our staff, uh, so they are have to be hand-loaded, but they, 
they do make it a, a so you really wheel the toilet up on a trolley tip them get yep. the feet on and then just push like you're push in it in and then yep. fold down the clips and away you go yeah. yeah so no straps as well so yeah. you don't you don't you know not every truck's not carrying 15 straps you know, to not having straps is such a time saving mm. I, I work with Lockheed trailers down in milton in southland and they developed a trailer with drop-in stanchions that have mickey mouse ears on and so you'd load your toilets at low trailer height put toilets on and then drop the stanchions in an ear either side and one down the middle to stop the toilets moving. And we were able to truck from Invercargill to Nelson without a strop. That saves you just hours and hours in a big event where you're unloading lots of toilets. Saves so much time. Yeah, especially if you get to the event to take the toilets away and realise you're one or two strops short, you know, and it's, <laughs> yeah. you, know, you become, yeah. all of a sudden you've, it's five loads, not four. And, and strops, just they seem to disappear. I don't know what happens. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, yeah. they just disappear and they're expensive as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. It's, yeah having, the, having the gear helps and it does mean that our margins on our events are probably lighter, but it yeah. also means that we can do a much better job and opens the doors to more of it. And then talking of, of gear, with your new luxury 10-bay trailer, which was impressive, I, you know, I like that, I really did. That's obviously going to be over the weight limit for a normal tow ball, and you did say to me that you managed to come up with an innovative solution for that. Yeah, so that will have to be a, a pintle eye hitch system, um, and we've got in production now uh, a slightly bigger Hino truck that will be our event, event truck. We can also... Um, service toilets as yeah. per construction but it's slightly wider than our current pump trucks by probably another 150 mil so it might make a few driveways a bit more difficult but we've got this truck now that can tow up to six ton so if our four and a half ton units are a little bit small we can go for the slightly bigger one mm. um, and pull these nice big trailers you, to you know to towing big trailers is my thing that's that's the part <laughs> of the job i enjoy most and the bigger the better for me yeah um your 16 bay trailer was a long rig yeah it's 11 meters so by the time we hook it up to our 10 bay truck we're sitting at i think 22 meters or just under which is the limit for right. a, a truck and a simple trailer yeah mm. I, I bet that's interesting to tow because it's a big long unit. Yeah, the first thing I think I did after sort of towing them with the normal Land Cruiser mirrors, I was like, we're getting those Clearview mirrors on there with a telescopic <laughs> sort of so we can see the back of it. So that was the first thing that Stefan and I changed. Even a remote camera on the back so you could see on the Yeah, it's a long screen. way back. I don't go that yeah. far on holiday. <laughs> and other motorists don't always appreciate just how long you are, you know, when you're pulling a big rig like that. They'll think, oh, it's just a toilet trailer, but... 16 metres is a long way to get past. Yeah, it is. It's, um, well, it's equivalent to a big truck and trailer, Class yeah. 5 setup. And, you, and you're probably carrying as many toilets. I think you get 28 in a normal B train, truck and trailer. Oh, right. So, yeah, that's so, actually well, yeah. Good, good to know that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Almost maxing out the... Yeah, and you're doing that in-house, so that's awesome savings. Yeah, so we've got five of those, and they mostly... They're getting refurbished at the moment, but they mostly sit with the toilets on them. Ready to, go. ready to go so if an event calls up um, and it's happened before hey we're in trouble can you guys help us out with 90 toilets like yep no worries we've got and you know, ha go. having that fleet on hand clean prepped loaded and ready to go is a huge asset not least for civil emergency response uh, you know I've, I've lived through 20,000 earthquakes I think we're up to now in Christchurch that's mm. a big one mm. um, and being able to deploy those even with the, the fires in Nelson a couple of years ago being able to deploy toilets in big numbers quickly 
is a huge asset, not just to prestige, but to New Zealand as a whole. Yeah, absolutely. The whole civil defence side's a very sort of interesting sort of um, sort of facet with innovation. I think that's why Sanitrack sort of excites us from an innovation point of view because yeah. they fall down. You can fit so many more on, and you're not limited to how much waste is going to be go in those bowls less truck movements to pump them just straight into the sewer line. This is going to sound corny, it's going to sound like we're plugging the Sanitrack system. (laughs) (laughs) And I am because they're the title sponsor. But on a B-Train you can get 28 normal plastics. With the Sanitrax unit you can get 66 in your tech unit. So there's an immediate saving in, in logistic costs straight away. Yeah, it's ridiculous how how simple the setup is, and as we said, they are valuable um, assets. Yeah. But you see why, and to be able to transport effectively a hundred pans and have them set up in three hours is just is incredible. I realised today when I saw that firsthand in your yard, it's actually scalable down to three pans. You, you don't need to put the full rig of sixty six or a hundred in. You can go really small if you needed to, because the tech unit wasn't massive either. No, and not on that was the, the larger tech unit. Yeah. So we've got the, a smaller tech unit coming as well. So that gives you a bit of flexibility on yeah. how we set these up. And yeah, it can be as little as one urinal or one hand wash basin Perfect. or showers. They've got a huge amount of Just options. Flexibility for and their, adaptability. Yeah. yeah, and from their sort of event side, you can sit with an event plan and they've got an application and you can literally draw up the modules on the application straight gonna, there in front of you. I've had a play on the Sanitrax app and it's cool. You can design your layout and it's, it's pretty funky. So... Anyway, go to the Play Store or the Apple iStore and just download Sanitrax and Philly Boots. It's a free app. <laughs> yeah. Give it a go. <laughs> but uh, events are uh, really good fun for us. I think all of us are pretty excited when they are over for the season, but they're a hell of a lot of fun getting through them and the amount of work that actually happens all around the clock. It becomes an uh, exciting time for us. Yeah, I think the... The highlight of my sanitation career so far um, <laughs> was, in, uh, was in February. It was my first event season, Baptism by Fire. Um, we had over a sort of a thousand toilets out around Auckland. That included Splore, 660, the Auckland Park, in one weekend. Po- in one weekend. weekend. Wow. Incremental, so not, not including our construction toilets that are out there. It was a I'll thousand toilets out there. It was, yeah, it was a pretty exciting well, time. Well, I hope you shared the boys a beer after that. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you got you got to celebrate the ones. And, yeah. you know, there's a really, really good buzz coming up to actually the event season and then a good celebration after event season because it's something that needs to be celebrated. Yeah, and, you know, we're, we're lucky in New Zealand because our COVID threat's under control at the moment and some of the events are coming back into schedule, which have been cancelled. It's a good time of the year, but it, it really sorts out the operators who know what they're doing. I keep going back to it, but I've seen toilets at events where you open the door and just think, heavens above. Mid-service, did, did you get into any mid-event services where you needed to clean toilets actually during the festival or the concert? Yeah, a lot of the multi-day ones obviously you have to do um, yeah. throughout the, the event. Um, and a couple of the big ones you do need to service them in between sets if, if you need to. And we would have put more toilets there if there was physically space. Yeah. That was the limitation. Mm-hmm. And yeah, especially things like homegrown in Wellington where you're on the waterfront and there's not a lot of spare space. Yeah. That's often a big limiter. And that's where you can sort of get a bit more economies of scale if we're going to, again, plug Sanitracks. <laughs> you can have the you know, eight, per, eight bay urinals on the space of two toilets so you can start to put more urinals on the male side and give females a bit more, yes. but, but a few more pans and doors to get into. So yeah. you start to get a bit more efficiencies in there. Yeah. Most of the event work um, in New Zealand is put out to tender or companies make speculative bids or they're approached by the event organiser for a conversation. And I'm getting the feeling with, with you that you go out and you would 
be quite helpful to the event organiser because you actually know what you're talking about and you're able to use your previous experience to make recommendations and suggestions. Yeah, I think that's sort of hugely important that even, you know, our management team, if we make sure that they know the whole process for the event so they yeah. can actually walk, you know, walk the talk. Hugely sort of important. We can we actually have discussions with the event sort of organisers and go, hey, we actually wouldn't place that row there just as upon the entry. They're going to get smashed. How about we pull those into a block and it'll be more manageable. You less truck movements because that's becoming a more of a health and safety sort of concern. Less, tr less truck movements, you probably might need less people then because you can put them into a bigger block. So, And even things like the number of toilets, you are the specialists in sanitation, so you've got a great deal of tacit knowledge gained from events like your 616 on the ground, and that's a huge selling point to help you pitch your um, services to event organisers. And one thing you find, I've found, is that event organisers think they understand sanitation and they'll come up with a number of toilets that they think they need, but you're actually able to use your tacit knowledge and your experience to give proper concrete advice. Absolutely, you know, we give sort of the right ratios, you know, ask the sort of general questions, is there food, is there drink? And we can be open and honest here that, you know, we've actually turned down events because they've gone, we want this many toilets for this many people. And we go, well, our, our branding is on the door. We don't want to be associated with that because... There's not enough or there's just way too many just, or a bit of both? Just yeah. not enough toilets for the, for the patrons. And my experience going to festivals when I was, when I was younger is you blame the sanitation provider yeah. usually and it's not down to that, it's the event organiser. Yeah. So for us it's more important to keep our branding there and that we're specialists in what we do and we just can walk away and go, hey, we don't really want to be part of this, yeah. it's going to be too much of a headache. Do you do any on-call servicing where a customer says, oh, I don't want to be locked into a fixed schedule, I'll let you know when it needs to be cleaned? Uh, yeah, we've got customers that have purchased their own toilets yeah. off us or have toilets or an ablution block or whatever it is, they yeah, call us up and say, can we get one, I, get it clean? I used to get frustrated that they'd always phone on the day that it was overflowing. <laughs> yeah, classic. Uh, you need to come today. <laughs> and I'd end up disrupting drivers or disrupting regular customers. So I, I started to pitch it back and say, look, you know, if you want me to come on call, it's $200 because I, I've got to disrupt a whole lot of work. Or I'll put you on a fixed regular plan at $30 a go. And not one of them said, oh, now I'll stay on the $200 rate. Yeah, absolutely as well, especially yeah. with, you know, the routing that we're sort of doing is becoming quite tight with the runs getting bigger and bigger. I've always said, well, we might, you know, save one person, but that might piss off 10 other customers, yeah. and those 10 other customers, our regular paying, who Imagine. use us, yeah, they've, they're, yeah. Very, they're very valuable. You said earlier on that you've been in the business for two years, 18 months. Does this mean that the dads have stepped back and given you control? Or? Yeah, mostly, mostly. <laughs> um, we've actually got a great working relationship with them um, and we're really, really lucky in having the freedom to operate as we need to and so yeah. we can say, hey, we've got issues here, can we invest in this and can we do this or I'm not going to do this anymore. There's no um, more sort of questions other than the sort of a few just to check our understanding and then it's like yep go do it so there's no capex approval process or anything like that so, um, do, do you think that was a deliberate succession planning strategy by pop or i honestly never thought it was going to be deliberate no 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 we they always told us after sort of leaving uni now go do your own thing you can't expect to just walk into the family business yeah. and i think it just kind of happened at the right time and Stefan and I had gained enough sort of experience um, in prior sort of careers that we were able to bring that sort of knowledge, especially being logistics, and bring it into sort of the sanitation business. Yeah. And that's where I keep going back to. I view us as a logistics business, not just guys that pump toilets. None of the stuff we've changed is revolutionary. 
as just um, myself being at Coca-Cola and Anthony at Main Freight, we're just used to having stuff done properly and done once and have these reporting and have all these processes in place. So when you hop into the, a business and you go, oh, what's your process around this? They go, oh, I don't know. Well, let's put one in there and then that fixes that area. And then so you start uncovering all these little yeah. little areas. And so that corporate experience, while we don't want to turn prestige into a corporate, has given us a, sort of an insight onto the disciplines that help those businesses run. Do you know, I'm, I'm going to be a bit gushy, but I'm really impressed. <laughs> and, um, and the passion that, that has come from you both, the knowledge that you've shown me today is just outstanding. I'm really, really blown away by just how much of a handle you've got on this business. Your forward vision, the way that you're looking for different opportunities and looking at different technologies. And you contacted me and said, hey, we want to come and talk on the podcast. Um, I'm really pleased that you did. If I was in competition with you, I'd be very nervous. You're good guys, but you know what you're doing, and that's the dangerous, dangerous <laughs> mix. Oh, it's, just been, it's been great to meet someone who's yeah. equally as passionate about toilets as us. I mean, there's, there's not many of them. There's a lot of people interested, but yeah, yeah not as many people are passionate, so it's been yeah. Yeah. You fantastic. Know, I, I think that your fathers have been very wise in handing the ball over, and um, if they've given you the baton and given you the support to keep going, I can see great things happening with Prestige. Yeah, it's very, very exciting times. And yeah, yeah, we're very, very lucky. We're very, very lucky to have such a great sort of family and cultural unit. And we're lucky we can sort of push that onto the rest of our team. When you start operations on the South Island, then I might set up an office. Love it. More than welcome. Uh, This is only the start. Yeah. (laughs) Globally, this industry is worth 15 billion US dollars a year. And it's expected to grow to 24 billion by 2025. So that's significant growth. And I think COVID will impact that even more, that Mm. people are now aware of sanitation and hygiene requirements. I think I'm doing my little part. I'd like to think I'm doing my little part in just increasing awareness of sanitation. And as Dave Andre said in last week's episode, most operators want to do a really good job. No one's going out deliberately to put dirty toilets out. But a lot of operators don't have the finesse and they don't have the resources and they don't have the equipment. And to be honest, they get overwhelmed, I think. (laughs) Absolutely. And I think we never, you know, plan to sort of be the biggest or anything like that. We just want to be fantastic at what we do. And if a byproduct is that we grow and we grow, hey, that's a great byproduct to have. But we always have got our eye on the ball of being the most fantastic in the service industry. I'd I'd be worried if I owned a company in Auckland and wider New Zealand and I saw you two come in. I'd be thinking, yeah, these boys are on fire. You don't yeah. want to start managing the Warriors, do you? Oh. <laughs> God, no. God, no. We'll, 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 keep, we'll, keep, we'll keep managing the waste, eh? Yeah, we won't go there. Yeah. We've got enough to deal with, yeah. Gosh, yeah, we won't go there. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Nad, I really appreciate your time. Thanks for taking but, the time hey, coming I'm, up to Auckland. I've loved it. And, um, you know, I think we'll be back doing some really exciting stuff. It's been great just to spend a, a couple of hours with you around the yard and an hour or two talking shit with you this afternoon. <laughs> appreciate that. I appreciate no, you cool, coming yeah. in. It's uh, been a great afternoon yeah, yeah, going yeah. through it all. So. It genuinely has. Okay, so that was Anthony and Stefan Kovic from Prestige Lose in Auckland. And you can find out more about their operation by visiting their website at prestigelose.com or by checking them out on Facebook, Instagram and YouTube where they share lots more information and fun insights into their business. Gents, thank you for your participation and support for the show. I really enjoyed recording, mixing and producing that episode and I think the listeners will get a buzz from hearing your story too. 
Once again, thank you everyone for listening in. I do hope you've enjoyed the episode. I've been Pete and you've been listening to Get Flushed, 